what to write about Trying to figure out what it's all about Existentialist Am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know I don't know I don't know Spending time all alone Sending my songs through the phone Dreaming of a better home We while focused on trying to hone This craft Witchcraft I hope the brujas Let this last That was Great Sounds of Watts with Outside on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself, Prestige, with my partner in crime, Long Island Raised, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. Easy Blues, you are better with introductions more than me. Who do we have with us again on Behind the Brand? You know, in life, common sense constantly tells us to not lean towards the art. Common sense tells us we need to make sure that we have the roof over our heads. We need to make sure we have a 401k. Common sense tells us we need to be just like everyone else. And common sense is fun and common sense is beautiful. But when you go against common sense and you push and you fight and you hustle, you can go from a pen and your bedroom to the stage of college street music opening for up for one of the biggest icons in hip-hop rakem and that's happening on the 18th of november and our next guest not only is a two-time guest on this very show so you know he's got incredible stuff to talk about but this man is also one of the best hustlers and live performers i have seen in hip-hop we are honored and at this time, we ask you to put your hands together. Not if you're driving. Keep driving. 10 to 2. No accidents. Mentally, put your hands together for the amazing Spark Kent. Brother, how you been? Doing well, man. How you guys doing? Excellent. Very good. Very good. Excited for you. Thank you, man. So let, let's paint a picture for, for the audience because, you know, it has been said that some of these bigger venues don't necessarily look at local acts. They don't necessarily care about local acts. But here you are. I'll say on a random Tuesday night, sitting in your car, doing what you need to do, and your phone goes off. And it is the powers that be. And the powers that be for this show happens to be Manic Productions. They hit you up and say, hey, buddy, we want you to open for a chem. What was that moment like? It was, uh, it was very surreal. Uh, mm-hmm. Big shout out to, uh, to Mark and uh, Hollis for helping me make that all happen. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I honestly, I was, uh, it was in tears cause it's, uh, I felt like I've been at a certain level with playing certain venues for a very long time. And this is the next mm-hmm. step up the ladder for me. So. And, and that's very true. And, and it's something that's very important in this business, um, you know, is to understand that ladder type of aspect, you know, before you can play the college street musicals, you've got to go out there and actually play, play that's the smaller stuff to get to understand what it is because, you know, you, you're never 100% ready for the bigger stages if you've never been on the smaller stages running through the practice aspect of it. You know, off air, you and I were talking about some of the stuff you go through to kind of laser focus your performance. You know, what, what do you do? You know, is it like a full stretch gear? Are you rocking the CrossFit? Did you join like WWE? What are you doing to – to your, your performance just that next level and college street ready 
Um, I mean, practice makes perfect, man. Other than that, I do like <laughs> I, I do yoga. I go to the gym. <laughs> there you go. About it. Practice, practice with a hype man. Having a hype man is is incredibly mm-hmm. helpful, uh, especially if you're a lyricist. You know. Now, there's a whole bunch of people who might not know exactly what a hype man is. Um, can you give a little bit of, you know, a little history lesson of the hype man and, and you know, the importance for uh, your performance? I mean, I don't know about history lesson because, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure where that where that whole thing even originated. Um, right. May, probably with, like, radio DJs, if I had to take a guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's essentially somebody that, you know, you're close with, friend, whoever, um, that knows your material. Um, right. So, when you're, you know, on stage and emotions are pumping, pressure's building and, you know, you need to take that breath here and there. That person's there to, to kind of drop that word for you if need be and you get yourself a breath, recollect and and go back at it. So There you go. Yeah, and, and it helps you because when you are up there by yourself and say at College Street where um, you are raised, you might not be able to feel the audience as much. So having somebody up there they help you kind of grab that extra energy, you know, right. because the energy you get from the crowd, the energy you can get from other bandmates and stuff will help feed that battery for when you start to drag, because right. whether your, your set is two minutes long or 45 minutes long, it's still an emotional journey that you're going on. And you actually do that incredibly well. I love throughout your, your um, catalog, you have these incredibly emotionally high, emotionally low moments and also kind of like the party records. Um, are you looking to put together an emotional journey like that set for the show opening for Arkham, or are you just going to stick with the, par- the party records all night long? Um, I wouldn't say, I'd say it's a little bit of a mix, honestly. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be doing a couple joints off uh, my debut album, Northern Hospitality, and then I'll be mm-hmm. doing a, a couple of new joints off my new album, so... Awesome. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say they're all party records. <laughs> okay. Now, just like uh, we ask, and we love to, to do this question for all artists um, and parents too. Um, you know, your songs are like your children. Uh, what's your favorite child, and will you be bringing them on the 18th? Oof. Uh, tough, tough to say, honestly, because um, – I think that there's there's certain artists that'll put out like uh, quantity over quality, so to speak, where it's just like mm-hmm. hey, pump out as many tracks as possible, you know. Um, and I've always kind of been the opposite. I've been more of a quality over quantity. Um, I just try to put 110 percent into every track, especially with the writing. Okay. Uh, so, speaking yeah. of quality, um, what is Jimmy's song? Yes, uh, Jimmy's song is a, a tribute track to my uh, father who passed away uh, a mm-hmm. couple years ago. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, kind of detailing the whole situation and, and what that was like. I uh, I didn't really know him all that well. I met him for the first time in mm. 13, 13 years when I was like 18. Wow. Um, yeah, and then uh, in recent years, we were like reconnecting a bunch. and. Um, just got a phone call one day that uh, he dropped dead. So, oh man, yeah, it's a uh, catastrophic brain hemorrhage. Mm. Very disappointing. Yeah. So, mm. but I wrote that song. I uh, 
it's one of the first songs I've ever produced the beat for as well, which is right. a big step for me. So, how big of he was a supporter of your music? Like when you were reconnecting and talking to him, has he ever heard any of the tracks oh, that you do? Huge supporter, huge awesome. supporter. Yeah, yeah. When I went down there and I did like a celebration of life uh, mm-hmm. for him and a bunch of his friends and family showed up, and um, almost every single person come to me and say you don't know how much this this man would talk about you and how proud he was of you and That's everybody awesome. down there I, I never met before knew i was a rapper without like wow you know <laughs> that was a little bit of a shock <laughs> wow yeah well, you feel the spirit's gonna beat up with you on the 18th i hope so i, I was thinking about doing that song truthfully but i don't know if it's like too too slow and emotional for that okay you know for that atmosphere or not, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, see, I, I don't know. Part of me says go for it, but because because the album that they are celebrating um, kind of hits on that type of level. Right. Um, and and again, when you, when you're performing with you know one of the the best lyricists of all time, you definitely want to bring your lyrical A game, and that song, meaning wise, is is definitely an A game type of aspect. But then oh, there's yeah. that other point is, do you want to really more, do that it's vulnerable? More emotional. It's more emotional right. than technical, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's a matter of being that vulnerable. And I know that's tough, man. I, 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 don't, I don't like it, personally. I hate being vulnerable on stage. Um, I hate being vulnerable <laughs> in real life. So uh, I'm just not, I'm not, not a fan. Not a fan at all. Um, it's cool. I'm impervious. That's why, you know. Impervious? Um, enough about me. but you know as as you're you're kind of like coming up to it you know you're you're about a week away from the show right now um you know and as you're getting closer um there any particular tricks you know you're you're bringing through there you know anything special like you know are you you're bringing like a confetti cannon (laughs) <laughs> nah, nah. I, I was I was thinking about doing something kind of like unique or special, but then like honestly, the more I like I thought about the show, the more I, I began to realize like I'm not. It's not about me. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not the star of mm-hmm. the show. You know, right, right. Um, I actually I learned my lesson the hard way like years and years ago. I did a show at the uh, Middle East in Boston. Oh man, mm-hmm. tell me that story. Yeah, so I opened up for a, a duo by the name of. Uh, OCD motion twist and they were like pretty popping around the Mac Miller Asher Roth uh okay you know, early 2010s yeah early 2010 2012 I would say um they were like I think they were on tour with Chitty Bank at one point oh wow yeah so anywho uh roll up to Boston and I'm you know this young dude I still got crazy long hair freaking and we had a a vinyl banner made that had like my artist's name and a picture of myself mm-hmm. and it was all done up. It looked, it looked pretty cool, but long story short, right before we went on, we had like rolled that and taped it onto the, the DJ's table so that it was, you know, basically a mini right. billboard behind me performing and the people of Boston, Cambridge slash Boston did not like that. Ooh. Yeah, and that was like this is something you learn, you know. Um, yeah, the older I've gotten now, the more I've come to mm-hmm. uh, respect the situation and respect the opportunity. Um, 
even the other people that are on this show, like the first thing I did was check out who they were, listen to their music, and then send them a message like, hey, congrats. Like, this is huge. Homework's important. Yeah. The older you get, the more you kind of realize it's like, it's not all a competition. You want to just have fun and show love. So, Speaking of having fun, I see some pictures like online with you in Colorado. So uh, just um, <laughs> tell me just how much fun I experienced and how much did you put into that musically? That's pretty much what your music is about. Uh, like the whole, you know, weed culture and all that. And easy. I apologize. I know you're about to cut, but then some just snipped. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love Colorado, honestly. It's like uh, home away from home, you know? Mm-hmm. We uh, actually did a lot this last trip. We went over to uh, Flagstaff Mountain in uh, Boulder. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, did some hiking there. We went out to the uh, Botanical Gardens, which was cool. Wow. Yeah, my girl, my girlfriend really appreciated that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did as well, honestly. It was insane how massive their facility is so mentally that experience had to be amazing oh yeah it, it was a, a much needed refresher mm-hmm. yeah easy welcome back buddy yeah. i know you're fighting with the online demons welcome back but um you had a question <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I i sort of cut off because i saw a little bit of frozenness but go right ahead man i don't want to cut you off no, you were, I, I, was, I wasn't cut off at all. Your question was better than mine anyway. But I have a new question. <laughs> I, well, first of all, like when you walked into that place, did like the Willy Wonka theme like play? Like, come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Like, did that happen? Like how I envisioned it is going to happen for me? So I would say like three, three quarters of their facility is outside. <clears throat> but then the, the 25% that is inside Mm-hmm. Is it's basically like a, a tropical rainforest with like hundred foot ceilings. Right. That was yeah, that that was when the Willy Wonka music was playing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that that's incredible <laughs> because you actually also um you own this incredible um hydroponics um store as well, where you get to teach people the proper usage of, of how to hydroponically grow and, and move forward. What is it like being in that industry and what is it like being one of the first in Connecticut to do it legally in that industry? I mean, it's, it's still all very new to me. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I, I mean, I'm, I realize very. You realize very early on that. Uh, um, so Yeah realized early on in the process. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I basically was just asking myself, well, I love growing. Like how, how can I apply this to other people, teach other people um, and still be profitable at the same time. <clears throat> and right. uh, so I started talk- talking with friends of mine and uh, brainstorming. And eventually we came up with the idea that, you know, I can't grow the product itself, but there's nothing stopping me from mm-hmm. selling the systems and teaching people how to use them the correct way. Mm-hmm. That, that is an amazing loophole and not necessarily even that much of a loophole it's because, really not it's just know, the industry is on its way to being yeah right so yeah as of next year you're, you're getting there <laughs> next year <laughs> next year next year hopefully things will be uh opening up but 
Yeah, we just right. uh, shifted a focus a little bit to genetics as well. So we're opening mm-hmm. up this third room to be uh, like 25 different strains from four different major companies right now. And then we're going to try to work with locals to get some local New England genetics in there as well. What's the name of the company again? It's uh, Deepwater Consultations. Gotcha. Okay. And the, uh, the shop's in uh, Guilford on the uh, main road right across from uh, Palumbo's. Um, a little generic question. Why the name Deepwater? Uh, so what I what I uh, learned from the beginning and what I study and personally think is uh, the best out of the different hydroponic formats mm-hmm. is uh, deep water culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I specialize in recirculating deep water culture, which is the same thing. You're just pushing the water around in a big circle. OK, uh, so, yeah, that's the, the name stems from that that branch of hydroponics. Gotcha. Just yeah. coming from an unknown, I just wanted just to get my, you know, the yeah. math right when it came to that. But um, e- easy, you're, you're more into that world. Go right ahead. That's a nice pose of easy, though. That's a great pose. That's a great photo picture of easy. Easy back with us, Betty. That's a great photo picture you got right there. I see the big old smile on your face. Now, uh, now, right now we're ready to hear you talk. Go right ahead, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, beautiful. <laughs> well, I hope he's still ready. My God, it's crazy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he's frozen Spark. over there. Well, no, since the ball's being passed back to me now, um, Spark, how many names did it take until Spark Kent was the right answer? Uh, te- technically, Spark Kent is the third. But Spark I, Kent I, is the third. What were the first two? Technically, yeah, it was uh, I was, the first one's hella embarrassing. I was like eighth grade. I went by uh, <laughs> yeah, I went by like one cent. <laughs> one cent. <laughs> one you cent. were one cent. Just one, baby. Why the name one cent? Why not penny? Why 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 one cent? I just need to know that. That's very interesting <laughs> to me. I would oh, never picture that be a first name for you, <laughs> dude. I was just. It's like super duper low class, like didn't really have much. That was like, you know, I had to scrounge up money for lunch every day, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was that. And then uh, quickly, quick real, quickly realized that uh, one cent was not it. And uh, and then I think I was like 14, 15, I want to say, and yeah. mm-hmm. watching ESPN one night. Mm-hmm. They had a. A segment on there about this 15 year old phenom and mm. i had to like quickly look up what phenom was or, and meant and uh, told my uncle and he was like yeah that's perfect like that's cool okay. and yeah i went by phenom for like i don't know six seven years and then wow, wow. yeah six years ago i changed it to uh spark kent wow you know and the Spark Kent name came about because I was selling cars uh, down at Volkswagen. And uh, this old timer who I swear to God, you ever meet somebody mm. that's like you, but from the future? Yeah. Yep. I have. I have. To, Crazy. To a T. To a T. To a T. Like we were like same, same height, yeah. tattooed yeah. all, all over his uh-huh. arms, got gray hair, talking yes. with, you know, crazy accent. <laughs> and, yep. uh, yeah, I come out on the lot one day in a bow tie and a come over and he goes, 
He's like, kid, he goes, you know who you look like? I was like, who? He goes, you look like Clark Kent. I was like, you know who Clark Kent is? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know who I know who Clark Kent is. And uh and then I kind of ran with it after a few days and yeah. Right. And it just came to you. That's it. <laughs> From the future. That, 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 that's From the future. future. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yo, he used to tell me stories about how he used to be a um, um uh, a chauffeur a chauffeur slash like parking lot attendant mm-hmm. out in California and how through doing that met and used to chill with uh too short on a regular basis, like back in like oh, the late eighties, wow. late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> That's when too short was doing fun things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this dude's a character, man. <laughs> 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 but um before i get it back to easy um mm-hmm. please tell me um what is best buds booking best buds booking is a little side project i got uh mm-hmm. with a dj friend of mine uh goes by the name of crease okay uh shout out my buddy chris and uh yeah just long time friend and we He's more uh, into the electronic side of things, like experimental bass, uh, mm-hmm. drum and bass, house. Um, and he's put me on to a whole, whole other world in the last, like, six to seven years, I would say, since we've been, like, uh, you know, living together, hanging wow. out, partying, and go to, like, festivals and such. And, yeah, we came together one day and said, Yo, why don't we just combine our networks and, and try to figure out if we could start throwing shows. And... Uh, <laughs> Did our first show in December of last year at uh, Stella Blues. We had Wax Future out. Mm-hmm. It's like a two-piece experimental jam band kind of thing. They're really dope. Uh, Keith is an amazing guitarist. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had out um, Essex, who is an experimental bass producer. Cool. We did that show at the cool, Beer cool. Festival, which was sick. <laughs> That kind of reminds me of me and Easy Man on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. And I'm dying to hear what you have to say to Spark Kent on Behind the Brand. Go right ahead. Well, see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a throwback here. Um, yeah. You know, you, you mentioned you're going to be opening up a room for genetics. Um, now, for the average person that doesn't necessarily understand the importance of genetics, in um, the, you know, the industry, uh, the marijuana industry, or really any industry. Um, what do you mean when you're, you're going to have a whole room for genetics? Are we like building the Hulk? Like what's going on? Like, tell us about it. No, so it's just, uh, I mean, it's simply just a room uh, with illuminated shelving and uh, genetics, which is at its most basic uh, strains. Mm-hmm. So with, with cannabis, uh, for those unfamiliar, you have um, basically strain. Strain is what would give you a different smell, a different flavor. Those mm-hmm. are terpenes, but that's a whole other conversation, right? Um, <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's as simplified as as simple as possible. You know, a strain is like a flavor, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we're we're going to be selling uh, different genetics, different seed packs from very reputable companies that people in mm-hmm. the industry and community are already well familiar with. Um, and a lot of these, uh, almost all of them are probably going to be feminized as well. 
Um, okay. talk, talking with my friends and partners, we quickly realized that a lot of the people that are going to be coming to us are going to be first timers who right. don't necessarily have the space to sit there and do, you know, a huge hunt and, and mm-hmm. pop a hundred different seeds and pick out the best ones, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, not even pick out the best ones, but just differentiate between the males and females, which is a really crucial step if you're mm-hmm. doing non-feminized seeds. So with the feminized, they're automatically female from the start, right. meaning you're going to get what you want. It's not going to, it's not going to be a guessing, guessing game. Yeah. You're still going to, it's still going to have different traits for each seed. Uh, but that right. again, all depends on the lineage and the genetics itself. That's awesome. No, I, I love the, the science behind everything. I think it's so super important because you know, you need to know these, these different things. And I'm also a fan of there being a whole, like I look at it as a whole artistic aspect behind something that a lot of people don't look as, at as an art form. So I, I love when people can start to break things down. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, the guy from Black Hog, uh, Tyler from Black Hog Brewing on, and that was his second time on. But the first time he was on, he broke into a whole scientific like equation on what the difference between like an Oktoberfest and a haze was um, and why those things are, are different important. So now that we can have that and we can have these open conversations about this, the new industry, I think it's really important to have because an educated consumer is a very powerful consumer. So thank you for being able to share a little bit with that with us today. I'm a fan of that. Absolutely, man. Like you said, I think it's important to have those, you know, open discussions and that that uh, open door policy when it comes to the information side of things. Um, you know, I mean, I I posted in some Facebook page uh, photos and stuff from my last harvest. It was like a, mm-hmm. a growing with LEDs and the, the post blew up a little bit more than I thought it would. And I basically right. told everyone commenting, hey, if you want to reach me, hit me on Instagram. I woke up mm-hmm. the next day and I end up having like a two week long conversation with this fellow from uh, Italy. And so it, it just really goes to show like how uh, crazy the information can get from one place to another and how mm-hmm. useful it, it, it can be as to the community and as a whole, you know? Oh, well, and, and that's also why sourcing is, is extremely important, you know, not to get involved in any of the nonsense that's going on, say mainstream media wise, but the fact that information can pass so quickly from one person to another, it is extremely important to make sure your facts are on point, to make sure that the information that you have is sourced correctly, because although it might not have backfired for you, it could be devastating to somebody else. You know, and we're always playing that, that game of telephone where a little bit more of that information gets broken off with each transaction. Um, so we really, really want to make sure that sourcing and facts are important they are not alternative they are important now i'll get off my soapbox and let's talk about are you bringing any um any of your harvest uh to the uh, rakem show on the 18th that you can talk about because it's legal here uh i will definitely uh be bringing some for myself uh, yes. and i will almost certainly try to bring some for rakem um right i recently did the same thing for uh little easy e uh when i opened mm-hmm. up for him. and then just off uh giving him one you know just off the love of music and, and everything his pops did 
uh, we ended mm-hmm. up like linking up a couple of days later before he left to go to California. And we just, there you go. Yeah. So that was cool. I, I really appreciate what the, you know, the mutual love for cannabis is, is bigger than I think than people think at times, you know, mm-hmm. uh, being in the cannabis industry for so long, um, what steps still need to be made? Because there's a lot of fighting when it comes to this. A lot of laws that can protect us. Because Easy and I had interviews in the past where people are fighting to get the right laws set for you guys. So uh, as for you being an employee, um, just working in the industry, what do you feel needs to be just set automatically down when it comes to doing what you do? Well, I mean, like, I I would say off rip. There's, I no way, shape, or form have been doing this in a crazy long period of time i wish i could sit here and tell you that i have i'm just a guy who you know put his face in the books and had really good success you've been Uh, a user for a long time is that am i correct yeah no definitely used it for a long time (laughs) (laughs) i've been around it you know what i'm saying that's fair but (laughs) those uh, laws do still cry to you (laughs) right so i mean i would say that there's a a lot of other people um in the scene especially in connecticut who are way bigger of an advocate than I am and they're mm-hmm. way more on the front lines than I am. And I tip my hat to those people. Right. Um, but you know, to answer your question, the best that I can, mm-hmm. um, I personally don't, I think having the social equity program is important. And I think that giving back to the people mm-hmm. that, uh, were affected by the war on drugs over the years is important. Right. At the same time, I think that there's like a right and a wrong way to go about it. Mm-hmm. And what I, from my discussions that I have with various people, from what I'm hearing is you're getting people that have millions of dollars behind them. You know, people that yep. are MSOs, big corporations are essentially swooping in and finding people that fit the criteria for the mm-hmm. social programs, doing a partnership. And it's for that one single person and their family, that's probably going to be life changing. And I can appreciate that. Um, but from the outside looking in as someone who, you know, it doesn't uh, uh, qualify for the uh, social equity program, even though I'm somebody who's been out here living on their own since 16, like lost both my parents. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter, you know. Um, so, again, I think that they just need to take a closer look, I think, at where the money's coming and going in terms of those licenses and uh, uh, kind of like go from there. I think there's a lot of people out there that do deserve it, truthfully, and mm-hmm. I want to see them do well. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I don't want to see a big corporation basically buy them out within a year, two years time. And, mm. and then that's it. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a huge thing. And that's a lot, a lot what a lot of people are fighting, fighting for and fighting against, you know, and you kind of. I knew they were making the, the, the steps for legalization about two years before they did because they tried to make a law cracking down on craft beers. Um, yeah, for, for, for to take away a little bit more of the independent aspect of it. And I knew that was the law they were going to try to use mm-hmm. against um, the, in, the independent growers. Um, so, but luckily people fought up against that because you can't, you cannot, like, you can't do that in Connecticut. We, we, we live and die by our craft beers. You know what I mean? Like, are you, it's like are you for at, real? At the end of the day, though, like if you're going to legalize something, right? Right. What 
and then like you don't expect people to grow it at that point like what yeah. are you gonna k- kick in every person's door you know what i mean mm-hmm. like, it's just i don't know good luck yeah, to, and, and also, good luck to them <laughs> yeah and and they need to they they need to really step up in there and make sure that you have the ability for generational growth and generational wealth. It isn't just a matter of the people that are stepping in that first time. We want to make sure that, you know, we're not necessarily giving the the money and the green light to Walmart, but we want to give the money and the green light to spark Kent so he can then be Walmart in 30 to 40 years. You know what I mean? And I think that's where things are starting to get lost in translation. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even look at it from the other perspective, too. You know, I'm sure there's people out there like looking at me like, oh, so what? You know, your your parents fumbled the bag. You know, my whole family got screwed over for hundreds of years. So it's right. I understand both sides of the coin. Like, I really do. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. No. And, and, and dad. No, go, go. No. You're on. A well, no, it, no it, it's it's no, it, it's it's super important because, yeah, I, I you know, Social equity uh, thing is mad, but they need to have those better regulations. They need to, to have, you know, food. And there, there are a lot of incredible programs out there. Like I know for a fact, um, Method Man is, you know, if you're looking to get involved in it and you're a person of color, he is willing to come in and do that with you. But he's not going to come in, do that, let you build it up and then buy it out in a year and a half. Right. You know, he's going to be able to make sure that there's going to be generational wealth not only for that person, but for the community all around. Um, you know, one of the big things that just happened recently is uh, President Joe Biden actually gave a federal pardon for all of those that were convicted of federal marijuana charges, except not a lot of people were convicted of federal marijuana charges. Um, it was one of those things that happened as a talking point when we could have done it more on the state level Um, And actually gotten people out of situations they should not have been in, you know, because people wanted to make money off of a war on drugs that there was no actually war. We perpetuated it ourselves. But I'm going to get off my soapbox for a second. I will say I would love, love to see a map if there there is such a thing out there that uh, that shows the U.S. and shows the people with these federal convictions, because if Mm -hmm. I was a betting man, I'd tell you a lot of those are probably in the south man i hear some Mm -hmm. crazy nightmare horror stories about people down there with an amount up here that at this point in time you can walk around the street with right you go go down there and it's like you spend the night in jail you spend the night depending on how much you have for a couple Mm -hmm. years like yeah it's a different animal down there Mm -hmm. Very, very, very interesting. And that's why I do feel that we need we need legalization on a national level because of the tax money alone. Right. The tax money alone, bro. Like word. Well, it's like how it's whereas we're a country, and yes, we right. are separated by states, but how is it that you have something that is perfectly legal here? And then you could take a two-hour drive, three-hour drive, whatever, and you're in jail. I don't I don't I don't understand it. Like, yeah, you know, maybe it's above my pay grade. Uh. No, it just makes no sense. Absolutely makes no sense. <laughs> I 
I'm sorry to step on your to- nah, toes out uh, there, Pete. You did it. I could listen to a whole <laughs> other show with just you two explaining these views. I was thoroughly entertained. And it was good being a fly on the wall. I was waiting for the climax. It was just building and building and building and building and building up. And then just, oh, Preston. It was like, oh. <laughs> I, I, I was waiting. I was, I was waiting. You know, I was anticipating. <laughs> Mark Kent, what is Northern Hospitality? Uh, I always forget the the actual uh, word for what it is, but it, it's a um, oh man, not a um, that's a paradox. Is that what I'm thinking? Paradox. Paradox. Okay, why is that? Yes. So I'm I'm originally from Florida. Oxymoron. Spent my childhood. Oxymoron. Like I don't know, first five six years of my life in in like South Florida, and mm-hmm. even after having been down there, um, again. It's just, it's a completely different world, like I was saying. And one of the things that I've realized is when people say Southern hospitality, mm. for people up north, you might not understand or you know really grasp that concept. Yeah. But like down south, that's as simple as uh, somebody's walking in behind you to a store and you're holding the door open for them. Yeah, they manners, say, hey, right. yeah. very friendly, very mm. manners. And and up here now, that having lived most of my life up here. Mm. I just, I don't know, man. I think it's a, it's a completely different vibe. Maybe it's the cold weather when people are a little bit more tougher, you know, thick skinned. It is a real thick um, skin living up here. Yes. I yeah. And so that was when I was coming up for a name for the first album. Um, that was one that I had come up with because I never heard anybody say Northern hospitality. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things. And a lot of the stuff that I was talking about was personal stuff on that album. And, right. You know, so yeah, I mean that's that's basically where it came from. How many tracks are on it? Northern Hospitality has seventeen tracks. Wow, six, 16 of well, because it was it took me five years to do that project. Right. Yeah, just be, I just went through a lot between working full time, losing both my parents, and a lot of sentimental value, I, I believe. A lot Definitely. of value. And going through, yeah, struggle to get it out. And, um, but yeah, 16 musical tracks. And then the, the intro is done by a guy, uh, Nate Goodwin. He's uh, an impersonator. Mm-hmm. And okay. if, if you ever need some motivation, go watch, go watch his YouTube videos. He does like these, nice. these motivational ones, but he also does crazy impersonations. And uh, yeah, I needed somebody to do a Morgan Freeman for me for the intro. And <laughs> nice. He nailed it, man. Yeah. That's awesome. <clears throat> How many tracks didn't make the cut? Um, 17's big for independent artists. That, that, that's all I have to say. Usually as, as we hear tracks and LPs and albums. Uh, there was usually about like 10 tracks tops. You, you picked a good 16, 17 yeah. for it. I mean, I would say we probably cut like four or five off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was only 17 because I... I'd already been performing out and about for like nine, 10 years. So I'd felt to to myself and to the people that were rocking with me for so long, like, you know, the least I could do is give you like everything I have, or at least all the best of what I have right now. That's that's, yeah. That's super interesting too, because, you know, we're starting to see an evolution of our industry where we're almost getting back to the single base um, where it's actually seems to be a more, it seems to be 
a more stable uh, marketing process to release a single every couple of months instead of just releasing an album. But here, you know, you also dropped your second record. Um, you know, what was the difference in your marketing strategy between Northern Hospitality and the second record? So, I mean, I, I guess I just went into it a little bit differently. I had, like you were saying, my first album was just I wanted to put out the album to show myself and everybody else, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm capable of. This is everything I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. I wanted it, I wanted it to be like oh perfect like as a whole that I think only like three or four of the 17 tracks were released like over a period of four years right um and then so for this second project that I'm working on now I've released three or four tracks already and I tried to do mm-hmm. one a month and then kind of took a break for a little while um just, just so I can focus honestly more on the business. So, but yeah, still right in probably like 60, 70% done with this, this second album. Okay. And uh, it's the first one that I've produced tracks on. So. Right. Now, what made you decide to, to do that? You know, um, where you're actually investing in the production of the music that accompanies you as well. You know, I know a lot of artists like to just do one or the other. And then there are some that, that really like to do both. Um, what made you want to jump into that avenue? Um, I mean, I've been making beats for, I would say, a couple of years. Um, you know, just playing around, having fun with it, trying to learn as much as I can. And But I never had the, the same confidence in my beats that I did in my writing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I and people would tell me like, oh, this sounds good. Like, what don't you what don't you like about it? And mm-hmm. truthfully, like I'd I'd have like a hard drive with like 40, 50 just like loops, like something that mm-hmm. sounds real good to like do a verse over. But then I would right. get stuck in the I guess you would call it the songwriting process of creating right. a beat. Mm-hmm. Um and it wasn't until recently my uh for Christmas, my girlfriend actually got me this uh Akai uh MPK 249. And uh, try to see if I can. Uh oh, show and tell. Oh, wow, that is nice. So it's basically got, yeah, it's got a a 16 uh, key drum pad, like full drum pad up on the top, and then you got a 49 key, uh, you know, keyboard. Because I was started to learn how to play piano a little bit, and I wanted to try to incorporate more of that in there which honestly yeah. helped a lot with that whole songwriting block because now i'm able right. to like, figure out like what would sound good for a hook without not sounding completely different from the verse you know <laughs> <laughs> no it, it, it's a lot of stuff that, that totally helps and and you know transitions and making sure that you're blending it correctly it's right. the same aspect like when you're putting together a good um rhyme pattern or a good verse You've got to make sure your theme is blending correctly. You've got to make sure that you're hitting your rhyme patterns correctly, whether it be a syllable rhyme or a hard rhyme at the end, whether you're in ABA or not. There's so much that goes into it that I find it comical when people are like, oh, hip hop's you know, not actually music. You're just a rapper. But you don't, you don't understand like, what these guys are doing and how much actual thought has to go into all of this. Plus, it's so much... Right. deeper like uh, when we had 
sketch the cataclysm on you know he talked about he became an mc great MC because he wanted to say more yeah oh phenomenal but you know he he he, one he couldn't sing very well and two he wanted to say more than just what a singer has the ability to say in that 16 bars you know um and that's something that you do very very well you you always are making you make sure that you're hitting the points that are necessary but the stories in which you tell I, i always have that kind of throwback feel for you um, where you are more of a of the storyteller, a uh, hip hop artist. Um, was that just something that was in your personality, or is that what you're continuing to strive to be? As we listen on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building. Spark Kent, go right ahead. Um. Remind me of that question one more time. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> no worries. Um, you know, one of the things that I have noticed about, you know, your writing is you have that storyteller, uh, kind of almost oh, like yeah. a throwback type of feel, similar right. to like a common <laughs> or, or a Rakim, if we're being honest. Um, is that who you are or is that what you, who you strive to be? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I think it's just you, your environment determines a lot about who you're going to be as a person. And I think the same goes for when you're an artist. So a lot of the people that I grew up listening to, I guess you would say are storytellers. And I think that's just a byproduct of being a lyricist. You know, I think a good lyricist should be able to tell a story. Right. Now, when you're also, um, you're telling that story, how does that translate from wax to a live performance? I mean, I think tone, probably tone is the biggest thing there. Cause I remember that was one of the things I struggled with a lot when I first started recording. Um, when you're, when you do it live, you have a lot more energy. Um, mm-hmm. at least I do. I can't speak for everybody, but, um, so you tend to like raise your voice a little bit more without even realizing it, you know, you're a little bit, the adrenaline's pumping, um, compared to like when you're, you're like, at in the studio let's say and you could be uh i would say more in your head so it's more of mm-hmm. a, like how you're feeling that day could really determine or impact how that song or that verse is going to sound versus when you're live it's just i don't want to say the same every time but you it's just the adrenaline you're, you're riding off of it so well that's actually a huge point and you're it's interesting because you're one of the first people to bring it up of just how different the studio is and how, how different that feel can be, you know, and almost sitting in your head or, or having that intimidation or, or hearing the engineer go, all right, do that again. Or right. like he- having that engineer cut you in the middle of a line and then send you back to the top. And then you, you know, you build up that frustration. Um, are there any techniques that you do? Like, do you do a whole bunch of push-ups before you jump on the mic or, you know, beat on your chest? Or, or do you just go up there and handle your business with, say, the other business you do, um, and then go out I- into the booth? Uh, I'd say it really depends on, like, probably the, it depends on the venue. I mean, like, the crowd, mm-hmm. the show itself. Um, for College Street, I can tell you I'm, I'm definitely not free gaming, <laughs> probably right. uh, as hard as I normally do. Right. Uh, there's a lot more nerves this time around just because of the size of the venue and the 
honestly the artist I'm opening up for and, and his legendary right. status. And uh, when, when is that again? When will you be at College Street opening for Rakim? That's going to be next week, November 18th. That, that, that is awesome. And, and people Friday, can still Friday, get tickets. Right? Yeah, people can still get tickets. Uh, if you want, hit me up and I can send you the link directly. Perfect. Perfect. Now, what, is, you know, what advice do you have for that kid sitting with his pen and, you know, how, how, did I, how did he get on that show? What advice do you have for that kid right now? Unfortunately, we are wrapping up too. So when you're done with that advice, I want you to drop all the different uh, hashtags and handles that you have and tell them once more where they can see you on the 18th. So please, the floor is yours. Uh, uh, my best advice would probably be to be yourself. Don't be afraid to have fun. And value the uh, connections and the people that you meet along the way on the journey, because you never know who might be there to extend a hand to help you. So, and that's honestly, that's, I, I did shows at Toads for 10 years and right. it's like my second home. I, you know, my home away from home when I'm not in the studio here. Um, I have right. a lot of love for that place. The people uh, that booked the shows there specifically Hollis. Um, and yeah, I just reached out to her and said, Hey, um, I see Rock Kim's coming through. Do you, do you know anybody that does the, the booking for College Street? And lucky enough, she has a relationship um, with Mark. And right. uh, I had submitted my music. And within a couple of days' time, they accepted it. And that felt amazing. Cry tears of happiness for real. That's awesome. So yeah. now, where, uh, where can people get, get in touch with you? And how can they find you? on all the wonderful, you know, social medias. Oh boy. Drum Kent.com. Oh. One more time. Back, back one more in. time. You're just frozen yeah. One more, just time. one more time. Absolutely. So if the people want to reach me or listen to my music, read up anything, you can hit me at sparkkent.com. That's got everything that you possibly want on there. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. That's perfect. And where are you going to be on the eight, this coming Thursday, the eighteenth of November? Is that what I'm going Thursday? to be opening up oh, Friday. For going to be opening up for hip hop legend Rakim at College Street Music Hall, Friday, November eighteenth. Got to be there. It's going to be one of the best hip hop shows of the year for Connecticut. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. It's been an honor and a privilege, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. We look forward to seeing you at College Street on the 18th of November. Thank uh, Mark and Hollis. Thank you guys so much. And uh, anything else? Appreciate you on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven. This has been Behind the Brand. Thank you, Spark. Thank you guys for having me. to write about trying to figure out what it's all about existentialist am i worth anything or just a scout i don't know i don't know i don't know spending time all alone sending my songs to the phone dreaming of a better home when while focused on trying to hone this craft witchcraft i hope the brujas let this last i don't know if the earth is big.